Hello, and we are live. I'm going to pin the comment so that I do that before I even start recording because I always say this on the podcast. Podcast. Um, and it's always weird for the podcast people because I'm wondering, like, they're like, huh? Pin the comment. Um, but everybody knows these are IG live conversations. So they happen live on IG. I need to get this mic on here without my charger because we are the moving people now. <laughs> we are on tour and Ace is here, very punctual. But before I let Ace in, I need to do the house rules and the general announcements and the not so general announcements. Today, I'm literally going to try and not scream and shout because I'm super excited. Um, first and foremost, it's the 25th birthday of our angel friend, Tash. And when I woke up in the morning, I didn't know if I should be excited or if I should be sad. But knowing the diva that sis was, sis would have wanted everybody excited for her birthday. So everybody should be excited. Tash will be 25 today. Okay. We're celebrating Tash's birthday. Um, yeah, I think it's her third birthday in heaven now, which is really weird for us. But yeah, we still love you, Tashi. And uh, Miss Siba got her copies of um, Dear Black Parents today. So that's another exciting announcement. And I wanted to do the unboxing. Oh, there's such an echo in this room. I hope it doesn't bother you as much as it's bothering me. But I wanted to do the unboxing of, oops, of this um live but it wasn't gonna happen i know i'm gonna put my laptop because like i said this ain't my space y'all um but yeah so i wanted to do the unboxing of this live but there was no way i could wait like when a person says i couldn't wait i think i was i couldn't wait um and now i'm stealing aces time but i got these oh i didn't even show you all the whole process so i got these today these are the heavy rain ep usbs so we're just gonna remove that sticker quickly so they come in like a box thingy where you can take it out it's so beautiful it's like nice and silver and shiny i don't even know if people can see it I don't even know why people do this. Like, does it really? Yeah, it does help. So, you see, it's nice and silver and shiny. It's white. I love white things, um, but I hate it when they get dirty. So, the CD is a USB. Okay, so, since it's like a full-blown artist now with, like, CDs and vibes. Whoops. <laughs> and Miss Siba's book is officially, officially available because you can now actually buy it. Everybody who has pre-ordered is getting their copies first because that's how it works ace is gonna tell you all that but yeah this podcast this series rather is brought to you by the perfect love podcast network in partnership with the activate academy and zimele africa i'm gonna let ace in i don't even know how to find the thing now my excitement is yes there sis knows the technology okay but i'm super 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 stoked like Today, everything great is happening. Like, today, it's my, it's happening for me day. Because, yes! Um, if you, if you are really following me, you can go check all the captions I wrote for this day. Because, Ace hey, Malai is on my screen, y'all! <laughs> Hi, Hello, hello, hello. Who's your care? Yo, we go lay hands virtually. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm fine. I'm fine and I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversations. Yeah, I've been following the conversations for some time. In fact, I think last night I, I probably watched about what four episodes, uh, trying to to just acclimatize myself to what we do. And, um, you know, the important people that you've had and, and understanding why I matter, that, that I'm, I'm a part of these conversations. So thank you for having me. We are live again. I'm sorry, good people. So my the Wi-Fi connection was messing up and I knew my dots was on. So I intentionally wanted to do this on dots and on Wi-Fi. And then I forgot to switch off the Wi-Fi. And then when it was acting up, 
I done did it something that done disconnected me. So sorry everybody. I'm so sorry. Um sorry is literally like if you read my captions for when I was like posting about this, I was like you know, like one those dreams that you have, like when I make it in life, I want to interview so and so. Like Ace is on my list of when I make it in life, people, and then I mess up the live. How are we gonna make it if we don't even know how to do? I'm gonna make it. I was not about you, <laughs> but Ace is on my screen. Like I made it. I'm just gonna drink water. I'm sorry. Welcome back. I'm so sorry. What I, I, see? What I, see? <laughs> I was thinking wow. off my Wi-Fi and then I didn't realize that data wouldn't just kick in directly and oh, okay. my children in the vicinity, I'm not abusing them. They just don't want to go to bed. So that's why you'd hear crying. But welcome. <laughs> I always say Thank that you. podcast is like the family reunion of podcasts because everything that happens in a family reunion happens here. There's sometimes a bit of drama children crying in the background there's food people come on here drinking coffee <laughs> so it is what it is and because we family we're forgiving but welcome ace officially um super excited to have you but if people don't know who you are who do you say you are to them uh, you know, that's a very difficult question, right? <clears throat> of, of getting someone to explain who they are. Yeah. Because uh, I think the most important part of getting a description of who you are is when you ask people, you know, like yeah. Jesus did when people say I am. And, you know, you say I am. <laughs> it's quite difficult because you, you might sort of um, mislabel yourself and call yourself an artist and call yourself a creative. And then someone else is not seeing exactly what you think you think they're seeing. Mm. But um, to try and answer your question, I'm the writer dude, and I'm what everyone has come to know as the writer dude. That's not necessarily what I am in a holistic way. I'm so many things that I can't even keep track of who I am. But um, the long and short of it, I'm the writer guy. I'm, I do freelance writing. I do book editing. I do uh, thesis editing. Um, oh, wow. I do a bit of writing, and please don't ask me what's that. Uh, but I, do, <laughs> I do a bit of writing. I write books, but I'm also a broadcaster and, and content creator. So the first love in all the things that I do is radio. Uh, that's uh, anyone that has read Holding My Breath, for example, knows that uh, that's my first love. It's the only thing that I wanted to do with my life. And, um, and then somewhere along the way, I realized that I can put one and two together and have a sentence and have a paragraph and have a whole page and then it's a chapter, then it's a book and then it's books and books and books. So I, yeah. I, I but yes, the long and short of it is I'm a communicator, um, either in writing or in speech. Um, I'm a content creator, I'm a creative, but I'm also an intellectual. So it, it always depends on which side of me that you get exposed to or which side that you trigger as a person and then it comes out and unleashes itself on you. I see. And unleash it does. Like, you're... <laughs> like... Yeah, it comes out like, you're going to have to call the cops. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, there's no holding back with Ace Molloy, guys. I, I am... But that's what I personally love about you and about the content mm -hmm. that you create. But, yeah, I mean, they say as a man thinketh, so is he. That's also in the Bible. So it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter what other people say that you are. It's really at the end of the day what you answer to. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm super, super excited to have you here. But when I'm asked who you are, <laughs> what I say is that you are one of the most important voices of our generation. I don't think you say everything right. <laughs> I don't agree mm -hmm. with everything that you say, but I think your voice is one of the most important voices in our generation. Because I, I personally honor and respect the way that you think and you can see even if it's like a a self roasting facebook post you can see the depth that you put into like the thought that you put into everything that you put out um and i respect that and i respect also the sources 
that a person can draw from your music from your productions like as to where you get your where what your sources are right i can see okay this person reads the bible i can see but he also reads philosophy or he reads um woke literature <laughs> you know what i mean you can see a lot of those things but this is not about me talking nice things about you people didn't come here for that people already know nice things about you people came here to learn from you and i don't take it lightly that you would share this information because i know this is expensive information but i want to hear from you today and to just set the tone for the conversation i want to hear from you today the hows like the how the paragraphs that are becoming um chapters i remember i read a facebook post you posted once is was it a facebook post or was it in your book like where you say that sometimes instead of writing a chapter you're writing a facebook post like that time that you put into that could have been a chapter for your book so then mm-hmm. wisdom and all the processes that go into that but let's start from the beginning how did it start for you assuming you can read any of your books because they should be <laughs> but <laughs> how did it start the starting point of it is very difficult né? and I, and mm-hmm. i'll tell you why uh, it's cuz i think most of the times when i have this conversation it's like I feel like I'm a letdown because people are expecting a profound Damascus moment where I was just walking <laughs> and the spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said, thou shalt ride, you know. And that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. I come from um, a family where my mother was very big on, on literature, on reading magazines and, and books. And because of that, I think it sort of grew upon me that there's something called writing. And yeah. this is how it's done. even before I could even think about you know about doing it but i had the pattern uh, at the back of my mind because i had read too many books and too many articles that sort of had shown me that if you are to get into writing this is how you need to structure these things and this is what counts as a news article a feature article um a book and all of that <clears throat> so throughout my my childhood and my teens i just really been a consumer um of of written content and yeah. i was only writing in my journal you know said things when we men say no to us because we don't have money for magonya school my god so when 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 you go through those sad moments of life but it was more inward looking and, and not really for public consumption until i got to ufs and uh it's a very interesting story because i feel like it's a message for someone um i picked up a student newspaper Irawa in 2011 and um as I was going through it there were so many spelling mistakes and just terrible <laughs> writing I, I knew nothing about I knew nothing about writing at that time I, I only knew how it looks like from the many publications that I had read and yeah. when I looked at them I thought to myself no wait wait this is supposed to be an institution of higher learning mm. which then means that for you to break into any of the platforms on this institution you have to be really good like you have to be the, the yeah. best mm-hmm. how did these people make it to the student newspaper mm-hmm. <clears throat> if they write like this they, they put the apostrophes where they don't belong and mm. and then i went to the student um, newspaper offices and i said i want to write for this newspaper <clears throat> because i think the mediocrity had had sort of inspired me to say wait if they could do it you can do it and then mm-hmm. you can do something more um, with it so it just goes really to show that sometimes people are confident overly confident in things they don't know anything about mm-hmm. and then you have people that are irredeemably insecure on things they are very talented in but just don't yeah. believe that they can do it. so that's how i began started writing and then i had a small community like you know my influencing of like just a bunch of different races that had taken um every day at 3 o'clock and they would discuss my writings they discussed the articles that I wrote for the student newspaper and um how controversial they were because controversy apparently defines me and um, <laughs> and so that's how then everyone started talking about this ace moloi writer dude this writer dude called ace and the name grew beyond me to a point that you know at some point in my life I felt like I had to catch up to like i'm me but then i have to catch up to like a small boy cuz this now like this thing the image that i have to to fight to catch up with but the long and short of it is there 
Um, and then I started exploring things like Facebook blogging. There's a time on Facebook where where we had where we had um uh, Facebook notes. So mm. with the notes, it was more like a blogging platform. And we used mm. to write, yeah, to, like bleed your heart out about politics, about relationships, and then you get the comments from there. And then that's how I grew. So I think the long and short of it is that I I built my whole writing ministry. Uh, on the basis of exposing it to public consumption and also uh, sort of build confidence on the basis of how people were receiving my work. So it wasn't a case of me writing and then holding it to myself and, and not wanting people to share in, but in exposing it, then we ended up being exactly where we are today. Hmm. Would you advise that though? Because I locally feel like some people expose their writing too soon. How did you know it was time? Um. Not really. I don't think there's a, a too soon element of exposing your writing. There's a difference also between the content of your writing and just the writing itself. So you could be watching Gomorrah, and the way you just say what you saw in Gomorrah is different because you say it like, like a writer. So you're not saying, this is what I wrote on chapter four of my manuscript. You just say, hey, I went to pick and pay, and one of the cashiers was not nice to me, and this is what happened. It's a mm. normal status update um, that anyone could have put out. But the way you do it is in such a manner that, in a way, you also sort of flexing with your writing, trying to see how best you can, you know, you can tell a story. So yeah. that part has to be done. It should, in fact, be a part of your daily life. I, I don't, don't want to talk about anything if I'm not going to say it the only way Ace is going to say it. I'll, I'll rather keep quiet. If I don't know how to say this, the best way I should, I'm not going to talk about it. That's, that's just who I am. And uh, it's gotten to a point where I feel like you can close your eyes and someone reads something for you, and then you know for sure. Yeah. So there's a difference. But, but, but then again, I think I like your question because the instant access to, to audiences that we have because of social media, we've mm -hmm. also seen people that are just sharing everything that is in their books mm. before the books can be out. And yeah. now it's like, like, okay, what, what's there for me to buy? You know, there's, yeah. there's someone on my timeline who, who's recently released a book and read so much of that book to a point that at some point I wanted to inbox them like, hey, um, <laughs> so this is my order for your book. Now that you've sorted that part out, yeah, you might sure. just do you mind just leaving the rest to like our imagination and then not telling <laughs> what the book is about so that we can enjoy the contents of the book but also that we can keep the purity of the book and your creative yeah. process um, and just allow people to be shocked you know when when yeah. they when they they read about you yeah hmm. this child is about to make me catch a case can i please attempt to this statistic i'm sorry aces people <laughs> who refuses to be left out of the conversation this child has been said to be my child in so many families oh no wow this is like the worst thing in life my computer just fell but uh, anyway a lot of my relatives think that this child is mine and now I may be proving a lot of family politics true. <laughs> but, oh, gosh. So, I guess we have a guest. Because he's just crying. Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> so now you're going to keep quiet and just sit here. <sighs> no, you keep quiet. You're not part of this. This is work. So, 
I'm so sorry, everyone. Like, this is like the worst thing that could happen. But the mama of the baby is not here. And I am his side chick mom. Um, so when mommy doesn't answer, Neo answers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, we were talking about premature sharing of stories. But another thing mm -hmm. that is interrupting a lot and it's really frustrating my life is the eruption of new publishers. Like, everybody is now a publisher. Everybody is just doing the most. <laughs> like, what's your opinion on that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not going to catch feelings if we talk about that? Because you're a publisher yourself, so... It's fine. Let me, let me pray. It's okay. You can talk. <laughs> look, there, there are two ways to look at it, right? Um, mm -hmm. You can look at it from a point of democratizing spaces and uh, just making sure that you don't have white monopoly capital uh, mm. that is in charge of our stories and, and even how the stories are told. Because let's be honest, publishing is a form of power. Yeah. Um, a form of capital and uh, it also dictates not only which stories get to be told, but also how they need to be told, the packaging of the story, the tone and, and the content of that story. But also, importantly, even who gets to tell that story, how they look like, how they sound, where they come from. Are they from UCT? Are they from Vets, Rhodes? Um, are they from the UFS? Are they from the Free State? Who cares about them? Um, yeah. What's their accent? Which schools did they go to? Can they appeal um, to whiteness, you know? And, and, and be palatable to, to white spaces. <clears throat> so there's a whole lot of those things, which um, if we don't open up platforms for ourselves, we're going to yeah. sit with very incredible stories that nonetheless are not good for the housewives of Parkhurst or the housewives of Pentagon Park. And now that's a problem. However, however, this, this can then be sort of a, a gateway to mediocrity. Mm. So you... Get out as a publisher, the fundamentals of publishing still have to apply. You're not excused um, from editing. You're not excused from uh, proofreading. <clears throat> You're not excused from uh, turning away books, in fact, um, because yeah. that you are an independent publisher of self-help. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if Ace Muller comes and says, I have a book and I have money, publish mm -hmm. me, that, that I have to put your brand you know, on that. So if yeah. we observe the fundamentals, then it makes it easier. However, what then becomes a problem is when we sort of disobey literally everything that publishing is all about. Yeah. Uh, in the name of the Lord. So we just open up platforms for black excellence, uh, for whatever that we believe in, and telling our stories. But our stories are not well told. Yeah. So the first person that takes your book, they look at it and they see that this book is spineless, and spineless in, in both ways. Spineless in that it stands for nothing, but also <laughs> that the spine, the actual spine of it, can't even stand upright. No, it's bent, because this thing was supposed to update, or a tweet, and then you leave it there. No, I'm, I'm being serious, I'm being honest. I'm serious. The, the first time that I tried to get into commercial publishing, I sent, I sent a manuscript, a very well-written manuscript uh, to one of the major publishers. And when they came back to me, they said, even though your writing is very beautiful, mm. not what we would want to publish, unfortunately. Oh. Very honest. My content sucked. I had the passion, I had the burning desire, but what I was talking about was not refined in such a manner that it could be published by them. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm saying that we sort of need that kind of honesty where when I ask Dino from Perfect Love Books, you say, listen, we don't want to be a part of this. Mm. We can someone else, but we just don't want to be a part of it. That helps because there are so many people that say, I can't buy books from black writers who are self-published because they publish a lot of gibberish. Yeah. And how would that only Dino You've, you've taken your book through all of the quality control processes, right? Perfect editing, uh, the book is proper. And, and I look at it and I'm thinking, if it's self-published, I've seen five more other self-published books that are just yeah. not good books. Oh, and then it, it sort of, it, 
it destroys the whole industry honestly yeah. and that's that that's then unfortunately the downside of it the good part of it is that it also restores money to the authors it gives you financial power and control um over your your, your material you don't get the 10% that commercial publishers give you you know when you make like a 500,000 from your sales mm-hmm. <laughs> in a in a given financial year and then you thinking you probably might get you know even if it's i don't know you get like 100,000 or something yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then you get 50,000 and then sales takes that 18,000 and oh. then <laughs> and you realize that listen even if i were to die today this man is not even going to buy a super would give me more money um, <laughs> this royalties so i mean it's complex right you have to choose i always say that um you always have to choose between riches in the form of money and also rich in the form of the impact that you want your work to have definitely um if you go through a mainstream commercial publishing this a free publicity there's free everything and your books are distributed proper mm-hmm. everyone gets to know about you and then if you do it yourself you can only know as much people it's not going to go beyond that so yeah. if you sell 100 copies by luck first 100 copies by luck then you done it out yeah yeah so and and i hear you um I th- I feel like um who was I speaking to there must have been an event or something where I spoke to someone and they said that the one reason why a lot of commercial publishers don't even look at young black authored books is because they're all painted with the same brush of mediocrity and I cannot I cannot I can't say that's entirely a lie because like this past week this past two weeks um a oh gosh am i going to have clients after this um <laughs> a a fellow hey, take it out this is a self school right the family meeting take it out what what <laughs> a young um black publisher approached us with like three four books and mm-hmm. only one of them in my opinion had potential to be worked on it was not read it had potential to be worked on the rest were trash not even like you can edit it no they needed to be rewritten stop it they needed to be like rewritten go ask auntie to open for you go and ask auntie go bye bye good night kiss you shoe don't come back I'm sorry. So, um what does I say? Oh yeah, so the books were trash and it's not love baby just open. Just open the door. Lord. Is this what go people go through when they have children and they have to do Zoom meeting? Like it's it's weird for me. Like I it doesn't make sense. My nieces are like 8 to 9. When I tell them this, they go away. <laughs> Okay, baby. I love you. Ask auntie to open that. Let's not make this fall again. She's back. But yeah, so um in that po- moment, like this is like the most wretched this podcast has ever been and it happens when it's one of my top 10 I want to interview these people person is yeah. But it's fine. Jesus still loves me. so as i come back um my my dilemma in that its situation was like okay now and the other thing that i think happens is like you said there's money involved right so a like that publisher was in a space where he can't now reject this book um because this author has now paid him right so they've paid him for the service of like say editing the book everything and they had even have a release date at this point and i'm just like how do we advise young up and coming black authors to say yo like maybe this is not your calling or maybe rewrite your work like how do you handle that because i do know a lot of people must send you their work so how do you do the rejection <laughs> the first the first strategy to reject a person is to send them your rates say mm-hmm. hey for me to go through your book even if it's just to read like the first letter in your book 
this is going to be the total amount. So do you still want us to proceed or what? And then they, they come it. back. Then they come back, of course, and say, no, I just want you to you know, just check and yeah, let me know if, like, yes, that's checking, it's reviewing. So I'm going to apply too many tools to determine if the book is worthy of, you know, getting out into the market or not. So yeah. there has to be some kind of money. But, uh, you know, we, we have, there's a major issue that we, we faced with. We have so many people that are burning and passionate about writing, mm. but I know there's much burning and passionate about reading. So we just mm. have a bunch of people that all of them want the microphone, right? Everyone wants the stage. But when it's time for rehearsals, no one pitches. Mm. And then when it's time to decide and to perform and to go on the pedestal and to get the title and to get the bookings in high tees where you're speaking as an author, then everyone wants to show up. Mm. Proper branding, pull-up banners, everything is brilliant. Digital marketing, the suits, the poses, this poses with like navy suits and brown watches and matching shoes and stuff. The optics, the optics are delicious. Like you look at them and think, wow, this has to be a very, you know, serious person in life. And then when you read the book, then you see the emptiness that's in the book. <clears throat> so that, that's, that's one of the issues that we faced with. Too much passion for the stage, but no one pitches up when it's time to do rehearsals. <clears throat> and then the other one is, uh, because of that, then subsequently you have people that don't even understand literature. Mm. Don't, don't even understand what has to happen for you to feel com confident that, <clears throat> you know, you've written a book. And uh, by confident, I mean it relatively. I don't think any one of us ever says, this is now a good book, you know. You just yeah. release it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. So, and the second thing then would be I give you my manuscript and I say, please edit this. And what I have in mind with editing is you looking at the spelling mistakes. Mm. That's what And that's not the case. That's proofreading, which happens after the editing. Edited. Yeah. The ed editing is where I read your book and I think, you know, the storyline does not make sense. It could be a personal story. It could even be self-help. Where if, if, if on page five, you said that you need not care what people say about you. Just listen to the voice inside you. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, we can. <laughs> Obama, yes, we can. <clears throat> and then on page 12, on page 12, then you say, it's important for you to know what the market thinks about your product. You see? <clears throat> so now as the editor, I have to take you back to page five and say, unless you qualify this on page five, we have to choose between page 10 and page five, which one we delete because you're contradicting yourself. Mm. And it happens with, with biographies. It happens with so many things where um, I would say that I had a, a good conversation with Dineo and she impressed mm. me as this person who's like this and like this um, in a negative way. And then... Mm. Fifty pages later, Dineo is one of the brilliant, brilliant uh, podcasters in our times. Mm. The gap, you see. So you must mm. now come and fill the gap. So that's that's the painful part of editing. Extremely painful because it makes you look as a writer. And I think people don't want to be questioned. That mm. I was doing what's more, it doesn't make sense at all. So they just go on and on. I'm um, with it because you get so consumed in your creative intelligence at that process. Mm -hmm. Nothing else matters in the whole world. And so this is why then in part, you know, we, we end up having so many uh, questionable books of questionable quality. And then we have too many people that find more and more excuses why they can't read because they read a smallest book and it just was not good. That would never happen though, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, like, I speak against that. I can't cancel you. What am I going to read? <laughs> <laughs> we can't cancel Ace Malloy, please. No, but I feel you. And I think we're dwelling a lot on the writing side of things because that's what I want to learn from you. But, I, like, I feel like you still haven't really told me how you reject people. But I think it's hard. And then now you get this scenario. I do believe you also do some, like, editing work, like you said, right? So mm -hmm. now you get a scenario, like, 
Oh, I put my heart and soul. I hate editing. I will put this into the universe. We have editors because I hate the I hate doing the work. Like I love editors, but I hate editing because I don't have time to be going back and forth with the person and telling them why this word doesn't work. Like just trust me. But that's not how it works. So I put my heart and soul into this child's book. I was editing it very nicely, you know, leaving nice comments and everything. And then she sends me an email saying all those verbs, all those adjectives, all those bombastic terms that I used, they were on purpose. Please don't change them. Yes. <laughs> How do you handle such? Like, I, I was like, don't put my name in your book. Just don't put my name in <laughs> What I normally do, uh, I, was, I was busy editing a, a deeply um, spiritual and theological book, and um, it has a lot of verses, and yeah, a lot of verses. Like, I don't, if I have this book, I don't need the Bible for, they're quoted like two pages, verse after verse, back yeah. to back. So what I, what I, what I usually do is uh, I'll send you the, the marked, you know, part of the editing, you know, where it has the comments and everything. And then I'll send you the one that's clean. Then I'll also send you the comments. I'll explain. I'll make examples like on page five, I, I replace this word with this word because I think what you're trying to say is this. But I also then say, it's up to you whether you accept or you reject the changes. Mm. I just want this is what this word means. And if you use it in this context, it doesn't make sense. So I think if, if you send it back and um, all you've done is just remove, 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 and there's no conversation, then you probably are hitting on the ego of a person. I probably would also... <laughs> 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 okay, you know, what are you doing? But if, if there's an explanation, then it would make sense why um, certain words are not working and why certain things have to be deleted and stuff. Hmm. No, that's that's great advice. I did tell the child, like, I try and be a nice person and explain to them, no, this word does not mean that. I do think that you made to say this, so it would sound better put like that. Like, especially mm -hmm. if this is a new author who probably doesn't read, because you can get that from a person's writing. Um, and she literally, I think what I'm learning now from what you said is, don't just send the document with the text changes because then it looks like you're all this red, you get what I mean, or all this blue, whatever. But actually accepting all the changes and sending them that along with the tracked one. And I would even say, no, start with the clean one and read it and check if you don't actually like agree with the changes that were made. That's, that's a gem. Thank you for that. But I'm never going to edit anyone's book again, I hope. <laughs> so I'm going to tell it to the people who edit. That's more business for me, so thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank let you. me clarify. Perfect Life Publications will still edit, just not now. <laughs> I don't think my people can afford you, like, and I don't think you would edit their stuff, to be honest. Half of the kids is just like, but it is my passion. It's it's my passion to help young black kids tell their own stories without having to be told, like, like you know, without being told you can't tell your story yourself, how about we say, no, you can't tell your story this way. Let me help you develop your story. So that is like the passion that I have. Um, sometimes I, I get frustrated, but sometimes I don't. Um, someone said something. I first need to see what they said. Okay. They, <laughs> so no, they said me. They're selling me out. It's someone who knows what I'm talking about. So they're selling me out. Oh, put you on the best in that. selling me out. No, but it's, it's, it's interesting to, to like learn the different techniques and stuff. So, wow, there's so much that I wanted to ask you. I don't even know how long we've been having this conversation for. Oh, we still have some time, actually. Um, there's so much that I wanted to ask you, but what I want I think I have for you because these are creative career conversations is how did you build a stable, um, you know, everybody wants security. Like, you know, that's why a person would go work for a publication instead. But how did you build a stable career for yourself 
out of rights, out of communications? Uh, well, I don't even know if it's stable. What's stability? <laughs> You know, the, 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 irony, the irony in us talking about stability in, in, in an entire pandemic like COVID-19. Mm. And yeah, there's no stability at all. But there's a lot of many other things. Um, there's, there's joy, there's self-control, there's um, autonomy, um, mm. there's uh, independence, there's flexibility, but also there are many opportunities to do many other things, which... Um, if you get hired as a copywriter, you know, at an, an average marketing agency do age yeah. to five, probably even after hours, you have nothing else to do with your life. Like you do all this writing for all these brands, but there's nothing else that you can do with your life. So for me, I think, well, to begin with, I, I also fell into, you know, I fall into a lot of things in my life mm-hmm. where I find myself doing something and then someone says, mm, I would like to pay you for you to do one, two, three for me. And then it mm-hmm. starts becoming a, a profession. <clears throat> I was frustrated by the whole thing of going to interviews and tell people about myself and mm-hmm. uh, being rejected. And I'm wondering, okay, did I say something bad about myself? Like, do I not know myself? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> When a teacher says, tell me about the best day of your life and they give you zero. Like, wait, you are not... <laughs> Who's laughing? This is, <laughs> exactly. this is me and I'm telling you about myself and you're saying I, I can't get the job. What's wrong with me, you know? So I, I used to be frustrated by that. And then I started doing exactly what I would do um, if I were to be hired. Because what I'm doing now is a profession for someone that wakes up every day, but they mm. just do it in a, <clears throat> in a much more safer and, um, and, and stable environment. So it takes a lot of, you know, marketing and uh, chasing of clients and um, building relationships with a lot of people. It takes a lot of compromise, even financially. You'd be surprised at the number of times I've had to dwindle down, you know, my rates just to, mm-hmm. to negotiate with someone. Um, it takes also a lot of frustrations because, to be honest, there's no price tag for, you know, things like creative writing or you know, at, at the end of the day, if you charge someone one million, the work that you're going to do is still going to make you feel like it's worth a billion. You know, mm. you, there would never be a time where you say, this is value for money all the time because you get so immersed in the project and, and you, you fall in love with it and you become a perfectionist mm. to, you know, to a point that in being a perfectionist, you overly do certain things because you, you just can't help it. You, know, you can't just send this thing back to the person when there are so many things that you can do to make it look good. Because yeah. if it looks good for them, it also then looks good for you as, as the person that worked on the project. So there's been so many of those moments. In fact, when I was starting out, um, I did something. What's that organization called? It's a health, um, public health organization thing. And... Um, mm-hmm. um, they, they asked me to, in fact, they told me how much they're going to pay me after my invoice. They said, no, please write a new invoice with this amount. And that amount was like triple the one that I had charged them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. All right, where are my haters? Where are my haters? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a lot of that also. That, that you have to deal with. I still feel like I'm extremely cheap, you know, because I understand what goes through what I have to do for you. Like, mm. I see it. And you don't see it, but I see it. I see what your work needs. I see the sources that I'm going to have to read so that I can help you and, like, put this together the way you want to put it together. Mm. <clears throat> and, I, I, and, and I know how much time I'm going to have to spend on it. Just thinking about it in the gym, just thinking, okay, that chapter, you know, how am I going to, you know, work on that? And then yeah. if I say to this 5,000, you're just looking at what you think I need to do. But the thing is, you're coming to me precisely because you have no idea now how to, you know, yeah. transition to that. So I'm telling you, this is what's going to be needed, and this is how much it's going to be. So much so that I had to turn down one guy who's a, a master's student, gave me a thesis. Then he said, I'm too expensive. Like, okay, fine. Um, then he said he only wants someone who's going to look at the language. Just focus on the language. 
So I said him, but I want your supervisor to recommend me to other students. Right? Yeah. Said, and if I do what you want me to do with this mediocrity, I'm also changing my name. So yeah. with all you, take your thing and go, exactly. don't put my name on it. Because I see what needs to be done here. Yeah. And, and when are you just thinking this is the best thing ever? There's a lot. So one thing you probably might want to do that I've, I've now recently started doing it. Um, a client would send um, a thesis of 55 pages. I'll take first part, first five pages and edit them. Mm. And then when I send back the quotation, I'll send it back with the edited two, three or four pages mm. for them to see how stupid they are. Well, not in that sense. <laughs> but to see how much you, you, you thought you knew, but you actually mm -hmm. don't. And how many things that you overlooked. And I feel like when, when you do that, then it sort of gives them an idea of like value for money, a, yeah. a glimpse into, into the amount of work that you're going to put in and, and how much messed up they are in the, in the first draft. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think I've seen it that it, it sort of eases them when you now say, pay me 30,000, but look at what I've already done. Is it what you would want me to continue doing? And then it starts the conversation. Sure, that's that's wise. So actually, like you're telling a person, this is what I'm willing to do. If you want uh -huh. me to do anything less than this, go find somebody else. Because <laughs> uh -huh. people will tell you, no, just do this. Like, just do what I'm, I'm like. But now I must endure the pain of reading things I know should be changed and leave them <laughs> And leave them there like, who does that? <laughs> I'm just, I know, I don't think editing is my calling. Honestly, I, I don't think editing is my calling. It's, I respect y'all because I cannot, like, I, I scream. I could not even be a teacher for the same reason. I feel like stupidity is not allowed. And I mean, I have stupid moments, but if I read something five times over, maybe I'm going to pick up my stupidity. There's some things that are just in a person's face and it's like, how did you write this? <laughs> like, I was talking to Rita the other day and she, I think she called me at like 1 a.m. She was like, you ought to know, I can't deal with these children anymore. Because how do you think this makes sense? Like... <laughs> It's How does your mom allow you to write this? Like, what did your mother say when you wrote this? Like, you have teachers, you have friends, you have a, now a publisher, and your publisher. Sometimes I feel like people don't read the stuff they send, they outsource. Um, because um, if you had read this, you would really figure out that this is really not even a book. And then the danger but, but, is that... But, but, I think, so, sorry to, to come in. Let's be honest to the writers as well. Um, and be fair to them. The, there's terrible editing that happens. And, and so the relationship between the writer and the editor, it's, it's, it's quite tense. Mm. Because the, there are editors that have just destroyed careers, destroyed mm. people's creativities because they don't understand the culture where the person comes from. And to them, if you say something like this, it's insensitive where they come from. A lot of mm. the editors in South Africa are white. It's white women. Um, almost all of them, it's, it's white women. Holding My Breath was edited by a white woman. It was proofread by a white woman. Wow. And, and, and there's a lot of explaining that you have to do in the process. Too many explainings that, explanations that you have to, to give um, to, mm -hmm. to the editor who comes from outside. So I don't know if you've seen this, but if we read a lot of uh, uh, black authored commercially published books, there's a lot of over explanations that you get of fennec words. Mm. Where if, if you say you now have to bracket it and say, you know. Life is a war. <laughs> That's literally how they say it. The, the translations are also out of place so much that you, you feel angry at what is happening. And that is because we are not the ones who are doing the editing. For me yeah. as a black person that didn't even go to a single white school and uh, whose, whose only interaction with white people was when I was a student. First time oh. I got taught by, by white people and go to class, you know, with white people. As, as a self-taught English speaker and, and to want to now get a tender where I'm saying I'm going to edit a book. 
what are the chances um, of me getting the tender compared to a white woman who, before they could even get their PhD in linguistics, they spoke English anyway. They come from England, from Ireland. They, they are first, you know, uh, first language English speakers, home language English speakers. So you mm -hmm. see the barriers. There's a lot of um, too many barriers in, in between. So yeah. we have to also navigate that, which is one of the difficulties, in fact, in working with language, with English as a language, yeah. is that there's also now this overemphasis on qualifications. And I'm telling you, um, you can go to a master's English class and ask a random um, Matabelo or Suzanne mm. or whoever and say, edit one, two, three, four, five. And then you take the same thing, you, you send it to a white woman who is a nurse or is just a stay-at-home mom. Mm. but hasn't done linguistics in any way except just knowing the language and reading a lot of books. That uneducated person is most likely going to do a better work uh, compared to the ones that you find at UFS or any university. Mm. Because when you work with language, you're working with the layers of culture that, that combine to inform meaning. Yeah. And for you to understand how much deep something is, you need to go beyond just what it means linguistically and mm. look at the culture and the person and the race and the time that this expression was used and what it means. So mm. I had an incident with, uh, with holding my breath. I had this incident where I had used the phrase because um, it was used by someone else and I was referring to that person who said which just basically that I may not have anything, but I have pied, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't go around begging. I have standards even in my poverty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some guy who has a PhD in Sosotu, who runs a consulting firm for, you know, these publishers, then came, and when the person comes, he says, it is wrong for us to use skadana referring to a person. Because in Sesotho, Skadana is just a piece of cloth. It's rags. And you can't <laughs> use that to refer to a person. I was sweating, like, you know, I was, I was, I didn't know what to do with my life. I felt like I'm can be said. I don't know what I can do. <laughs> so those are the, those are the challenges then, which, which inform the relationship between the writer and the editor. Because oh, yeah. editors, the fact that you have the title of an editor doesn't really make you, you know, to be someone that's a specialist because you have mm -hmm. to understand things. You have to have read so many books that if I use broken English, mm. you need to remember that this is probably because Alice Walker used this kind of English in The Color Purple mm. or I use this, this kind of English in The Tale of the Louding Voice and many other people that have, you know, characterize their needs on the basis of that if a person is a slave and is not educated, why would they speak clean English? You know, Oxford yeah. English. If someone is in a village in, 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 in Nigeria and is 14 year old, why would they construct like beautiful sentences that are flawless? Yeah. But if you as the editor don't even understand the phenomenon, that kind of writing, then you're going to correct this person every time. Whereas, in fact, this is a new style of writing that many people are warming up to, and even the readers are starting to tolerate it and, and, and understand it. So it's, it just depends, man. Some editors are not good, some editors are good, and then it, it messes up the relationship between the writer and, and the editor. Um, I, I, I have two questions for you to follow up on that. But the book that I was referring to, um, and I love the fact that you may, you touched on culture and education. So let's talk about the cultural part first, right? So this author was, had a character who was supposed to have been American. Um, and at first it was like that, yeah, Ghana, you know, like, yeah, it's all those things. Um, but then the, the author, the, the author started to use like the, like referring to you, you know, like, oh, no, I was coming to thee. I'm like, nobody speaks like that at all. And she's like, no, but it, it's the context of where he comes from. I'm like, where do people come from who talk like that? So at what point do we draw the line between creativity, 
and nonsense for lack of a better word like at what point do you draw that line hori scatterna is a piece of cloth and scatterna is like is kotsa or ipara you know what i mean where do you draw those lines it's 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 hard it, it's really hard to do that there um but i think that's why this has to be a conversation between um the mm-hmm. editor and the the writer yeah. you need to be present like every change that's made in your book you must go through it and ask questions why did you remove this and then they'll tell you it's sensitive or it's insensitive because of what's happening in Israel and and, and, and mm. Palestine and you may not have been aware you know of that kind of discourse so if we keep it as a conversation not a power struggle of who has you know mm. the ego and who has the 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 commissioning from the ed- from the publishers to get the manuscript and change and because editors have power mm. they have power if i come to you as perfect love and you say all right we'll take your project and we'll invest all the money that we have into your project and then we're going to hire dinero as the editor then dinero sort of comes in as the person that has to oversee my project and make sure that it's good mm. that Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm the only one that's losing you, but oh, yes. I'm losing you from my side. I'm not sure if I'm the only person that's losing you, but I'm losing you here. Um, can you hear me? I still is. I don't know why this happens to signal. It's just Oh, you're back. Like I'm totally like lost now. I don't know what's happening today. Like, were we supposed to have a conversation today, Lord? Like, what's this supposed to happen? Yeah. I don't know if you can still hear me, but something happened. Um. Uh, yeah, I think we can pick up from where you last heard me. Then we can just take it from there. I'm, I didn't even hear you. I lost oh. head myself. <laughs> And then... And then when you try to speak, then you cut off. So I have no idea what you were saying. Um, I don't know if you can hear me now. I see Usnaz is saying we are also losing her. How can I be lost? I am right here. I live. I love. I am here. That is probably like the most um, blurriest thing. I don't know what is happening to you now in the ghetto where I'm at. Um um as soon as yeah, but the, the audio is fine. The audio is fine. So I think if you can just continue speaking. Um the buffering doesn't happen on the audio. I think it happens on the on the visuals. Okay. Um I think let, let me respect your time and Maybe let's wrap up in the 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 last question and the most important question that I always have for people is the advice question. I don't know if you can hear me, so I'm going to type advice in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um you were to give advice to writers or give advice to editors to young people people in radio but maybe just creatives in general because now we're talking to people on different walks of the creative spectrum what what would you say to them is whether it's something you've received or something that you've learned along your journey what would that advice be or the first one I've, i've said this so many times please if you have a passion for the stage let's start first by the rehearsals right so if you have a passion for reading for writing let's see how many books you read um and how they impact your life and it, and it happens with literally everything else so the whole argument that you don't want to read other people's works because you feel like it's going to influence your art and your voice if you really have a voice and it's solid 
then there's not even a single person who can influence that voice. So you, you can only be scared to read poetry books or you listen to other poets that you're going to start sounding like them. That can only be a concern from a person who is insecure and in how they sound. So that one is very important. The other one is there's only one way to build confidence in art, and that's if you expose your art to public for public consumption. It's the only way to know if to work or not work. If you don't record the song, we don't even know if it was going to work or not. If you don't make people listen or read or critique whatever you're doing in a safe space, then when you take it out and the whole world starts now grilling and butchering you, you sort of bought it upon yourself because how did it get out you know, of your inner circle, of your friends and your creative community and become a song or become a book when there were so many people that could have contributed to making it better or made you aware of certain politics or certain things around that. And speaking of politics also, um, I know we, we are the woke generation and we try to you know, be culturally sensitive to a lot of things, but at the same time, let our creativity not be restricted by you know, what the hashtag is going to be on Twitter. Uh, let's just do our thing. Choose an audience <clears throat> and segment that audience. Define the audience. What kind of a reader would go into a bookshop and buy a smaller books? Um, once you've segmented that person, write for that person, sing for that person, produce a radio show for that person. Anyone else who falls out of that, if you can't convert them, you don't even have to bother yourself about them. They don't exist at all for you. I think that that for now would work. Anything else, I'm available in book sessions. I do writing consultations um, and I do group workshops as well. We deal with so many things, writing processes, the publishing process, the post-publishing process, as well as marketing and publicity lessons. Right, because Dinawa's uh, network is acting up. There's a question here that says, any advice for uh, a student in metric or just starting to cover their career in the arts or academia or, or broadcasting? <clears throat> yes, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself because that's basically what I mean. So if you have a voice, then decide or pray or determine or do research, whatever you do, but find out who exactly wants to listen to that voice. And then speak to that person, broadcast to that person, sing to that person. Everything else will fall into shape. The biggest killer of any creative career is generalism, where you don't even want to say, because you feel like it's going to be bad for your, for your street cred as an artist. Um, and there's, not, there's no shame in saying, I only write books for people that go to church and are between 18 and 25. Anyone else, I don't write for them. It doesn't limit you in any way. In fact, it makes you conscious of your voice and who it's for. So don't sell yourself to places where, I mean, why would you sell meat to a vegetarian? Why would you do that? So if yours is meat, Tama Eastern Cape, where you know that everyone loves meat, and sell meat there, then your business will be successful. Thank you, I don't know if you guys can still hear me because I feel like I'm, I'm out of the conversation, but I can still hear and I can still see the comments. So if you can still hear me, um, I don't know why the signal would cut me off with like an hour. <laughs> I think it knew that I wouldn't stop this conversation. I don't really don't know what's happening, um, but I am so grateful that you stuck around even in the wretchedness of babies crying and cameras falling and everything that could have happened happened today but you really stuck around and i'm super honored to have had you on my platform like i really don't take it lightly that you would take your time to share your knowledge and share your experience and share your wisdom with us and thank you to everybody who made the time to be with us um yeah this will be on my instagram and we'll also put it on YouTube and stuff and share it with everybody. So if you learn something here and you want to re reference it again, please do so. And kindly please go and follow Ace if you don't and buy his books because that's very important and don't pirate them. If anybody offers you a PDF, reject it in the name of Jesus and go buy the books from Ace directly. But yeah, thank you for being here, Ace. I hope you heard my nice thanks. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for staying through. I probably would have cut the session if I were the one who's doing it like you're doing it. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you stayed through. I don't know, it's not that deep perhaps to you, but it actually means something um, that you found ways of navigating the different challenges that, that, that you had and, and we pushed through. Because, I mean, who knows? In radio, there's one thing that we learned in radio is that what counts as a very good show to you as a radio presenter is probably the worst show ever for the mm. listener. And your best, I mean, your worst radio day where you feel like, I quit, I quit, I quit. That day is the day mm. someone is going to say, I was listening to you on the radio and you gave me the best content ever. So, you know, give, go easy on yourself. You're going to an existential crisis because of this. Um, we loved it. I loved it. And I'm sure everyone is there loved it. And um, we, we know your passion for content, for meaningful content creation. And this is what this was, uh, nothing else. So thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it so much. Yeah, the pleasure is really all mine. And thank you for the affirmation. <laughs> it really it means a lot. Because I thought you'd be like, yo, this girl, I ain't never. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you, everybody. And with that, I'll say goodbye.